Hi there, I'm Mariah Parsons, your host of Retention Chronicles. E-commerce brands are starting to shift their strategy to focus on retention and the customer experience. And so we've decided to reach out to top DTC brands and dive deeper into their tactics and challenges. But here's the thing, we love going on tangents. And so with our guests, you'll often find us talking about the latest trends as well as any and all things in the Shopify ecosystem. So go ahead and start that workout or go on that walk and tune in as we chat with the leading minds in the space. Retention Chronicles is sponsored by Malomo, a shipment and order tracking platform improving the post-purchase experience. Be sure to subscribe and check out all of our other episodes at gomalomo.com. Hello, everyone. And today we are joined by Christina. Christina, thank you so much for being here. I am so psyched to learn more about you and your journey and Willow's oat milk. Can you just give us a quick hello and a quick intro? Sure. Hi. Thank you so much for having me, Mariah. I am a co-founder of Willa's Oat Milk. Um, Willa's is a wholly better oat milk. We use all real organic ingredients, and it's the only oat milk to use the whole oat, which makes it super rich and creamy, lower in sugar, higher in all the benefits of the oats, and zero food waste, and the best choice for the planet. Wonderful. I love the little pun that you included in there with the holy oat milk. That's, that's so wonderful. Pun, right? Yes. Yeah. Who doesn't also it like fits there, just, so. yeah. Yeah. It fits your brand so well too. Just fun. Right. I feel like a lot of brands these days, this is a little tangent, but a lot of brands, like, I feel like if you can tap into that branding and just like being fun, like I'm just, I know in the D to C space. Um, and I think just more and more of the brands in like retail are getting are tapping into that. And I think it's so entertaining <laughs> for so long. It was like all of the better for you, healthier, more sustainable brands took themselves so seriously. And I, I never wanted Willis to be that way, you know? Yeah. Yes. I've actually never thought about it in that way where it's like, Oh, if you have like a very serious or like dedicated mission, the branding also kind of followed that. Yeah. That's a, that's a really interesting, um, like differentiator. Yeah. That's fun. <laughs> Um, okay. So can you tell us kind of what led like your background, what led to the creation of Willa's? Um, I know it's you and your sister who co-founded it, correct? Okay. Yeah. Tell us, it started tell with, us all about that. It started with my, my sister and, and me, and then my husband, um, quickly became our third co-founder. And then my mom started getting involved as well. So Wonderful. technically there are four of us now. And my background is, is as a marketer as well. I worked in strategy on the agency side, um, brand strategy, innovation strategy. So my role was looking at the intersection between the business opportunity and what was happening in culture and, um, you know, really understanding our target audience um, and then working closely with all of our partners and cross-functional teams. So less on the media side, more on the, on the brand side. And we originally started Willa's because we were kind of tired of plant-based milks that were sort of watery or chalky and were mostly sugar and artificial ingredients than actual plants. <laughs> and yeah. my grandmother, <laughs> yeah, you're like, been there. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> my grandmother used to make oat milk and she used real ingredients like vanilla extract and sea salt to make this really rich, um, delicious recipe. And so we just wanted to bring her recipe to the world. And then as we got further down the entrepreneurial path, we just kept learning more and more things about the way 
plant-based milk is normally made that did not align with our values or live up to my grandmother's name. And so we essentially ended up redesigning the entire way that that plant-based milk is made, um, which was no small feat. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine that. Um, I definitely wanted to tap into that of like just redesigning and kind of that space of innovation that you all had to go through, but real quick. Um, so for the podcast, we have a, uh, our like brand branch of the podcast. And then we have our like agency side and we talked to a lot of agencies. So was, was that like a big switch to go from like the agency consulting approach? Cause you're working obviously, uh, or I can assume with a, a bunch of different brands or, um, companies and you're solving like their specific problems. And now you have kind of the whole docket for your own company. What was that like? Yeah. I mean, working on the agency side in many ways was the best training ground for being an entrepreneur because it's super fast paced. It's collaborative. You're working with cross-functional teams. Um, you're solving problems every single day. You know, different problems are coming up all the time that you need to, to figure out. Um, there's a lot of negotiation involved, a lot of pitching. So all of that was really, really good training ground for being an entrepreneur. But um, on the flip side, there were some things that I sort of sort of had to unlearn and relearn. Um, for example, you know, for one, I mean, I was used to having these big budgets and lots mm-hmm. of people and, you know, lots of experts around. And suddenly, you know, you're sitting by yourself as an entrepreneur and you have these really high expectations for everything, you know, design, copy, messaging, all of it. And you're realizing I am one person, you know, especially in the right. early days or I, I'm, you know, I'm in charge of marketing and my co-founders are each in charge of something else. And you realize how scrappy you need to be and how much you need, you know, to just kind of learn as much as you can from other people who've been down this road before you. Um, the other thing that was a big learning for me. And now, now it's funny, but at the time it was kind of, it was kind of nuts when we, when we first started, you know, pitching angel investors or, um, you know, pitching retailers, whoever I was like very intent on presenting from slides because that was the world that Mm. I grew up in where it was like, you were just super precious about every single word on every slide. And I've since realized, and and this was really thanks to um, my husband and co-founder Rusty, that it's so much more powerful to just, you know, put a deck together, figure done is better than perfect, send it ahead of the meeting, um, even send it through DocSense. You can see what slides people spent the most time on and then just (laughs) have a real conversation. Right. You know, uh, back and forth discussion. Um, and, and so, so yeah, with any, with any transition, it's sort of like the things that made you successful in your past job might not be the same things that make you successful in the new one. Right. Yeah. I love that, uh, emphasis on like the scrappiness of a startup and the entrepreneurial spirit that comes up a lot. Um, you know, just with Malomo or with the podcast specifically, I'm also part of a professional um, development program where entrepreneurship is like at the center. And so it, I just, I've, I've heard that time and time again. So I'm, but I don't think even though how many, however many times you hear that message, it's never enough. Cause until you're sitting in that seat and you're like, Oh, now this is my own experience. I have to apply those learnings. Um, it can get caught up in the whirlwind, but yeah, working with a lean team, I, I know I've definitely learned, um, to like find a couple things that you're really good at and stick to that rather than, rather than trying to master everything. Cause you just, you can't with limited resources and a smaller team. 
Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's nice to hear that I'm not alone in feeling that way. Um, yeah. And, and same thing, even just the website, every, every time I go to our website, I see things that I want to change or, you know, you mm-hmm. cringe at and you're like, oh, <laughs> image. Um, yeah. but you just have to let it go, you know, you, cause it's like, you, you have to stay focused on your goals and remind yourself that so it, n- everything is not going to be perfect ever. Right. And you're going to keep optimizing yeah. and keep learning. And, you know, you just kind of have to stay super focused on, um, the key opportunities that you, you kind of scoped out for yourself. Yes. I think too, with like not having to have everything perfect and like the website. And I think it's very relatable too. We're all way harder on ourselves than we are like of other people. Right. So I, I, landed on your guys' website. And I was like, Oh my God, it's beautiful. Like I, you know, like it's way easier to be hard on ourselves. Um, but with that, I love that, that little tangent into entrepreneurship. And I would love to now learn more about how you approach like redesigning the industry of oat milk, um, with your product and how you all approach kind of like the product design or the product iteration aspect. This is where my sister's background really came in super handy. She has a background in chemical engineering and um, co-manufacturing in food and beverage. And she brought on one of her uh, colleagues, Laura, as well. So they really lead all of the R&D on our team. And uh, you might have noticed some, you know, a lot of these plant-based milks have a ton of sugar. In the case of oat milk, sometimes they have 7, 11, 13 grams of sugar per cup. And little to no protein or fiber, which is, you know, are really the benefits of the oat. And so mm-hmm. we were, we were just really puzzled by that. And what we discovered, and, and this is well documented, um, oat milk is typically made with just the starchy part of the oat, the sugary part, and the healthy parts of the oat are almost always filtered out and often end up in a landfill, which mm-hmm. really isn't great for society um, and, yeah, you know, yeah. a world where so many people are food insecure and also isn't great for our planet because food waste is actually a leading cause of methane and greenhouse gas emissions. Um, so as you know, it, you know, yeah. it doesn't fully break down um, when it's thrown into a landfill. It's not it's certainly not the same as composting. So when we learned that we thought, okay, there has to be a better, more honest and sustainable way to do it. And that's where Elena and Laura essentially redesigned the whole way oat milk is made and figured out how to mill the whole entire oat. So you get this really rich taste, you get all the benefits, the prebiotic fiber and protein, and it's zero food waste, um, which makes it a better choice for the planet. Yeah, that's so wonderful. So I, I know, okay. Can you explain to me, like, if, if you know, why is it kind of the normal process that it's just the sugary part of the oat that's taken? Is it like, is it cheaper that way? Is it just like for taste? What's the rationale kind of behind there? I mean, I, I can't, you know, I can't speak on behalf of our competitors, but some of the theories that I've heard that make sense to me are, you know, for one, if you want to sell a product in the U S the, the kind of tried and true, you know, conventional wisdom is just make it super sugary because Americans mm-hmm. love sugary beverages. Right. Um, so there's <laughs> <Right>. that. <laughs> there's yeah. also the fact that, you know, what we did is a lot harder. Um, now we've got, you know, we've got our whole approach and process really dialed in and our team is, we have an internal R and D team, which is actually unusual in our space. So they're just constantly, um, improving upon it and, and, um, just, you know, really putting our values around health, taste, and sustainability at the forefront. 
Um, if we hadn't had Elena and Laura, you know, we might've gone to a lab and said, let's, you know, take an off the shelf formulation. And so um, I think some of it is just maybe, you know, sometimes it's just easier not to reinvent the wheel. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Definitely yeah, took us yeah. longer than we were expecting um, going about it the way we did. Okay. Yeah. That's helpful. That's um, I think it speaks to kind of the process that you all went through in like the time that you took um, to develop a product, like you said, that you all were happy with and like um, spoke to, was it your grandmother? Yeah. Yes. Spoke will. to your, yes. Yeah. Um, spoke to like what your grandmother stood for. And one more question about that as well. Um, Cause we had, so are, are you familiar with board cow by chance? They're oh, yeah. in, they're like an animal for, okay. I have to get this right. So animal, they're an animal milk, but dairy free. Um, no, 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 that's not right. They're a dairy. <laughs> sorry. They're an animal free dairy milk alternative. Um, so what they do, so they don't use cows and they take the whey protein from, uh, dairy cows and they synthesize it in the lab and grow it that way. So that's how you get the animal free component, but it's still dairy protein. So it takes me, I remember, <laughs> um, when we had them on the podcast, I was like, I had to rehearse. Like a riddle. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, but they, um, we had Luke who is their creative director come on the podcast and he spoke to, um, just like that whole process and how food waste, um, and just the, agriculture industry or animal, um, industry is a huge, huge contributor to, um, you know, methane and, uh, um, really like climate change just in general. And so I think it's super interesting to hear from you as well. Like a kind of a, um, cause we didn't chat about this with board cow, but the component of like food waste and it sitting in a landfill and how that's not the same as composting. Cause it like, it, I think it would be easy to maybe conflate the two. Cause you just think like, Oh, it's in a landfill. It'll, it'll decompose like eventually. Right. Like the, isn't right. that what just composting is? So can you explain like maybe just a little bit more of that? Yeah, that blew my mind too. I think the first time I, I really was able to wrap my head around that was Anthony Bourdain's documentary, maybe four or five mm -hmm. years ago, um, about the, about food waste and essentially, you know, what people don't realize because food waste is often talked about in the realm of food insecurity, which, which is also super important in a world where so many people are food insecure. And, you know, in, in the case of our category, you know, you're, you're taking the healthy part, probiotic fiber mm -hmm. and protein, things that can really benefit people's health and, and losing that. But with food waste, essentially, if you put it into a landfill, it releases methane into the atmosphere. It doesn't break down the way it would in a compost or, you know, if you planted it or something like that. So that process is something that we're not only trying to, you know, prevent, but we're trying to stop from happening in the first place. There are a lot of brands doing upcycling, which is wonderful. They're taking the waste from a, another product. The they're basically taking the byproducts and turning it into a new product, which is great. Mm -hmm. We're trying to prevent food waste from happening from the very beginning. And it, it's really crazy to think that this is, this is sure, yes, you should compost, but the biggest issue is all the food waste that happens before food even gets to the grocery store. 
And the UN did a whole report on this and found that if food waste were a country, it would be third after the US and China in greenhouse wow. gas. Emissions. So wow. um, yeah, it's just wild when you start thinking about the math around it. So with Willa's, everything we do, we want it to be you know not only the tastiest, but the most sustainable and the healthiest plant-based milk on the market. That is our mission and our aim. And so using a zero waste process and also using organic oats, which are really good for soil health, um, you know, that was just a no brainer for us. Right. Right. So how do you ensure, um, like, how do you, what kind of processes, is it like baked into, I guess the, um, like the inventory or like how, how do you ensure that you're like not creating any food waste? This might, yeah. this might be a more technical side of the question. So it's okay if we don't want to go there. Um, I mean, in a nutshell, it's really just making decisions based on our values, you know, taking the time as a team to talk about how we can solve, you know, solve any issues that come our way, solve um, things that might mean that we we end up with, you know, some loss of product and making sure that we're having those discussions before we go ahead and produce product and always optimizing, improving. So this was, this was a really long process. We start, we started Willows in 2018 and we launched our full launch was in January of 2021. Wow. Yeah. So you, would you say a majority of that chunk was kind of like getting all of those ducks in a row, right? Yeah, very much. It was almost all focused on R and D. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it sounds from, you know, from being a, not an expert in the space like yourself, it sounds like it was a very difficult process or a very, um, lengthy one, but I would assume now that you kind of made sure that your process follows that it's a way smoother process now. That's right. Yep. So yeah, we use the whole entire oat. We actually use the whole oat groat to be exact. So for Mm. people who buy oat groats, you know, you get more of the oat and the outside of it that way. Um, and then, you know, because we have our own internal R and D team, we're just constantly looking for more ways to improve and optimize to truly be the most sustainable option and help reverse climate change. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay, cool. Um, I always love, like, it's so fascinating to me, especially just cause I rarely ever touch like anything in product. Right. I mean, um, we're not, we're an e-commerce app. So technology, of course, you don't really touch like any of the logistical aspects of like CPG brands or anything, but it's just always so fascinating to hear. So thank you for walking me through that. Um, and now I want to shift and I know your background is in marketing as well. Um, so can you walk us through kind of now you have the product that you're happy with, um, the process that you're happy with, how then do you approach like what you want your branding to be? I know we, we, um, mentioned it a little bit, uh, earlier with the branding, but how do you approach all of, all of your marketing strategy, your brand? You know, with the brand, um, the, the ethos of the brand really come from my grandmother. You know, we say she was real honest and uncompromising, which is hundred percent true. She was a really warm, loving person, but she was also incredibly direct and, um, she was super real. And so we, you know, the brand isn't meant to be sort of, um, old fashioned or stuck in my, you know, a, a, another era or a different time. Um, 
we wanted something that was really contemporary and fresh and would stand out at shelf and, you know, packaging that would work really hard for us. Um, but at the same time, we wanted to make sure that that story and that the ethos of the brand, the tone of the brand um, were really born out of um, honoring her because, you know, she she is the reason that that we have this wonderful recipe and we have this product and um, she was a real force in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, would you say like nostalgic a little bit? A little bit. Brand, I think, or? yeah, I think it's the, the tone is never meant to be nostalgic. Um, but I would say the story definitely is, you know? Yes. Yeah. 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 I think everyone, um, or maybe not everyone, but a lot of people could, cause I, I read your story and like how it was, um, based off of your grandmother's recipe and how it really influences the branding. And so like, even right. As I was reading that, I was thinking about my own grandmother and like, she passes, um, she had like this big cookbook that she passed to my mom and then, um, has like passed, will pass on to or my siblings and I. And so like, I, that's where the nostalgia came in, not necessarily like the design of the brand, but I think you're right in that. Um, it, maybe the, yeah, the context or the story is nostalgic. And I, I always, I mean, it, it ties into like emotion, right? Like if you can have your consumers experience something while they're interacting with your brand, it's like, and have that be positive, right? (laughs) Um, that's, that's very impactful. I love that. I love that, that, you know, that idea of, um, kind of these strong women passing, passing along wisdom that, in some ways, I think we're all kind of coming back to a lot of the old wisdom around food and the food system and how ecosystems can, you know, work together. We don't just have to like force them into monocultures, you know, pesticides, all that stuff. Um, I think, I think that's really cool that that brings up emotions for people about, you know, positive people in their own lives. Yes. Yeah. Um, really cool. So, and I want to, um, walk through the customer experience in a little bit. Cause I know I just mentioned that, but before we do, um, also, of course, in addition to reading your brand story, I had to check out your social media. Cause you know, I'm, I'm Gen Z. I, I had to do it right. Marketing. Um, so can you, yeah. <laughs> can you tell us like a little bit about your approach there? Um, and just like, what are you thinking about when you're, you know, going to market with your products? In the early days, we were so precious about how we shot content. (laughs) And I quickly realized that was completely unsustainable for a small new brand (laughs) with a tiny team. Right. Um, Yeah. And so now we're constantly coming up with ideas as a team and testing them out and seeing seeing what sticks. Um, One of the things that I think is the coolest about our content is we have had a lot of interns, college students, or um, people that are, you know, recent grads. And we essentially tell them like, come up with ideas. We're pretty much open to anything as long as it, you know, is in line with our our brand values and aligned with them. Um, And so we get so many great ideas, both from our fans, from our team. and in many ways, I had to, in the early days, kind of let go of that piece and, and put it in the hands of people who were much better at it than I was, um, <laughs> which in all honesty, wasn't that hard because they're so much better at it than I am. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it just a little bit easier because yeah, like, oh, I can't even compete. <laughs> totally. I mean, the videos that they'll shoot, you know, 
we've had videos that, I mean, we don't have the, the biggest um, presence ever, but we'll, we'll have a video of, you know, iced coffee cubes with Willis poured on top and it'll get 20,000 organic views on Instagram. And it's like, that is amazing. It's beautifully shot with someone's iPhone. And it was just an idea somebody had, you know, on our team one day. And um, Shay, Sylvie, Anna, we've had just like phenomenal interns who've come up with great ideas. One thing that we really had to balance is we have a very strong point of view on, you know, sustainability and health and um, how we believe oat milk should be made. And what we have to be cognizant of is we don't want to be, you know, sort of, we never want anyone to feel, you know, like shame or like judgment. And we also never want Willis to be portrayed as like food as medicine, because mm -hmm. the number one reason in surveys and everything we do, the number one reason people buy Willis is not just the health and the sustainability, it's the taste. Um, it's so interesting time and time again, every time we do a survey or we talk to people wow. when we're doing sampling or an event, um, it's always taste. And so with that, you know, we, we try to take every opportunity to tell people about the whole oat story, to tell people about my grandmother, to tell people about the things that make the brand so unique. But um, part of the reason you see so much recipe content and things like that is because that's the number one people reason people love the brand is the yeah I mean kudos to you yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you can have that be um like the what everyone's saying like oh like yeah I love the mission and I love the branding and I love um the health benefits and you know this sustainability mission statement and all of that but then be like but I really enjoy the product and the taste of it like that's that's huge that's a win-win right um and so yeah I I noticed like just the content that you all have, it's very aesthetic. Um, and I am like, I know myself as an end user and I love like aesthetically pleasing videos. <laughs> like I will watch them, right? Like recipes being made and like, you know, drinks, like you just said, like drinks being poured into like pretty cups and like <laughs> it's just pretty. Um, so that's, I think kudos to you too, going back to like the entrepreneurial, um, conversation we had in the beginning of the episode of just, I think that's also another aspect that I've been fortunate enough to hear entrepreneurs speak to as well of like, you know, you create something and it's hard to let it go. It's kind of like your, it's your project. It's your, um, you know, you have a lot of affection for it. And so to be able to step back and be like, well, you know, there's certain things that I just can recognize. It's not my area of expertise. And for you to kind of give that to those wonderful interns that you spoke to or, um, students or grad, um, recent grads, I think that's all the more power. And I think the brands that are doing that, that are recognizing like, Hey, I don't, you know, you don't have to be super, uh, precise or, um, you know, you don't, everything doesn't have to be perfect, especially when it comes to like the newer era of social media and how like D to C or, um, like, CBG brands are doing on social media, especially TikTok. It's it's like morphing. Um, so kudos to you for being able to say like, you know what, I'm not the expert. I'm gonna give this to <laughs> someone else and let them run with it because I think that's when you get some of the best ideas. Like you said, was it twenty? How much? Twenty thousand views? Twenty like, thousand organically views. Yeah, which is a lot for a brand that I think at the time we had like less than five thousand followers. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. 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 And I think it, it also extends to like different channels because the content we create does 
performs really well a lot of the time on Instagram because it's, you know, really beautiful, really beautifully mm -hmm. shot. And then it just will, you know, it will not perform the same way on TikTok. And that's where I think influencer gifting can be so great. Because again, if it's like, you know, we haven't figured out TikTok yet on our team. I am totally you know, <laughs> transparent about that. Um, yeah. And there are people who are so phenomenal at it. It's like, let's, you know, let's, let's partner with the people that really um, love it and know what they're doing and are creating wonderful content there already. Right. Yeah. No. So we, we haven't spoken specifically on this podcast about like influencer gifting. So I would love to go down that rabbit hole. And I think it is like, again, um, there's so many people like I, myself, even I'm like, I don't know how for, cause I am on TikTok, um, both for our company and personally. And I'm like, I don't know how the heck my like personal algorithm is so tailored to me. And I'm like, it's kind of scary, but also I'm like, so <laughs> impressed. Right. Like, yeah. so, and we haven't figured it out on the Malomo side, like completely transparent. It's just something we're exploring because you know, that's, that's part of the fun of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, yeah, it, it, it's a funny thing that like some brands are just their, their content, their audience is more on one platform, like Instagram versus another like TikTok. Um, so yeah, but let's, let's go down into the like influencer gifting route. Was that just something that kind of like came up? Maybe one of your, um, team, like one of your teammates had an idea around it or like someone reached out. Um, uh, in the very early days of Willa's, one of the best things we ever did is we just started reaching out to everyone we knew who might know somebody who was the founder of not even just a CPG business, but any business and just started getting all of the advice we could. And in those early days when we were just getting started, um, a lot of fellow founders were like, you need to gift. You just need to give product mm -hmm. and not put any stipulations around it. And if people love it, they will share and they will ask for more. And so that's, that's what we did. And that, you know, and again, in our survey data, that's like where most people find us. Um, so it's just, yeah from people who've become big fans on their own, either reaching out to us or us reaching out to them. Um, one of them is Dan Butner, the founder of the Blue Zones. He studied the parts of the world where people live to 100. He's become a wonderful fan and champion. And, and there are a bunch, of, a bunch of influencers who've come up with the most amazing recipes with Willows, things that I would never even imagined. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been really fun because it's, it's meant that we've also just met so many incredible people, um, that way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. The communities get larger and larger. Exactly. Or, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I think too, the recipes, this might lend us well into the customer experience, um, side of the chat. So, cause I know recipes specifically getting into more of like Malomo and what we see a lot of, um, our food and bev brands will like share recipes as someone is waiting for their package to arrive or like on social media, right? Like oh, gets brilliant. a, gets a lot of traffic to recipe pages because people are excited about their new product and like, okay, love the original product and you know, whatever you choose to use oat milk for with, whether it's coffee or cereal, um, you know, you have like your habits, right. But then it's fun to experiment and try these other things that you would have never 
thought through. So like, how do you, is it mostly through like social media, you would say that you share those recipes or people just find them organically? Yeah. I mean, we, we, you know, if we come up with a great recipe or if a a partner does, we just share it everywhere, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes things will perform really well that you wouldn't have expected. For instance, one of our (laughs) top performing recipes is Willa's white Russian, which, um, oh, I love that. Year, calling the dudette <laughs> from oh, that is so fun. <laughs> yes. Um, again, I mean, who would have thought that would be like one of the top performers, but, um, people love it. it also is great as a zero proof cocktail, just Willa's on ice with a little bit of nutmeg and cinnamon. Um, so yeah, you know, sometimes it's like, you're just constantly taking a piece of content or an idea and figuring out how many different places you can replicate it and then seeing, seeing what, what works. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, could you, I have another question about the influencer gifting. So once you kind of reached out to people and you had, um, you know, you, you started gifting out Willa's, did you find like, um, and I know you said people would come back and ask for more, or just like naturally share it. But um, have you like, was there like affiliate links combined with like those gifts of say an influencer came back? Um, what was like more of the technical side in case someone was like, you know what, that's a great idea and wants to implement that after listening to this podcast? Yeah. I mean, there's a million ways to do it. You could, you could go for, you know, the mega influencers and, um, sponsor them. You could go for the, the tiniest micro influencers and just gift a ton. And I think it really depends on the brand. Um, Mm -hmm. and I feel like all of this is changing so much because the platforms are changing. The algorithms are changing. What's trending on TikTok an hour ago is probably different right now. (laughs) I mean, it's like, yeah, no, it moves quickly. (laughs) You can come up with a formula, but you know, don't expect that to be the formula that's going to work a month from now. So, um, in, in our case, you know, we just kind of started building relationships with different influencers and gifting them product and supporting them in whatever ways they were interested in. So some, for example, love it that will post a recipe of theirs on the website and link back to their site and link to their social and, you know, say they're like a a nutritionist or a functional doctor or an expert in something, um, you know, we'll share a little bit about their bio um, some people prefer affiliate links. Some people will want to do giveaways. Um, you know, we really try to just support in whatever ways we can and get creative. Um, you know, we're never going to have the budgets of, of our much larger competitors, but we, do, I guess, have the benefit of being a team. And, you know, sometimes it's me, you know, DMing the influencers myself. Um, you know, we have the, we have the ability to be personal and real and, um, you know, support in ways that are a bit more custom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And kind of have that like sentimental aspect too, mm-hmm. and like be very interconnected to the community and be like, Oh, this is what I'm seeing from this person, from this influencer. Um, I think there's a lot of power to meeting people where they're at too. Like mm-hmm. one of the things I've learned just through other guests on the podcast has been like, if you don't have any reason not to like offer a plethora to your influencers, like a plethora, plethora of, um, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for of like options for how they can interact with your brand or like even for customers too. Right. It's like, you don't want to 
force someone down a specific route just because that's the way that you and your brand are doing things. Like if you have the opportunity and the availability to open up and try these different channels or try these different platforms, it's like, why wouldn't you, you know? Totally. I mean, what, yeah, what do you have to lose? So you do another test and you learn something from making a small bet, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's always the best way to learn is just figure out what, what are the small bets and the small tests you want to make each week or month? And then just keep, keep figuring out what's working. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, um, while we're talking about like figuring out what's working, can you kind of walk us through the customer experience, like a typical customer experience of someone finds Willa's through an influencer through social media or whatever, um, or, or, or organically, can you, can you tell us about like, you know, they hit that buy button. What, what's going on there with the customer experience? Um, are we the customer experience specifically for D to C? Are we? Th- yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, please. Thank you. Yeah. It's, you know, I mean, it def- obviously it varies, but I think a pretty major contingent of the, the, you know, customers we have for willowskitchen.com are people who are really looking for real organic pronounceable ingredients and less sugar. And for that reason, Willa's unsweetened original, which is just water, oats, vanilla, sea salt, one gram of sugar per cup, still super rich and creamy. I mean, that's what I have in my matcha every morning. Mm -hmm. Um, That product does really, really well online. And I think it's because so many people are searching for something exactly like that, that actually also tastes good. Um, And I, and because the loudest voices on social right now are, you know, in our category talking about ingredients, sugar, um, what's actually in these plant-based milks, you know, that's something that when we started Willa's, we, we weren't even sure if people were going to care as much as we did about the ingredients mm. and, and the nutrition label. Um, we weren't sure if this was going to go in the same direction as the impossible burger, but that has really changed. People are taking a much closer look at the plant-based milk category. And with that, there's just a lot more conversation on social media. And so those, those voices that are the loudest talking about the health aspects tend to be the ones that drive a lot of traffic to our site. Same thing with Willa's dark chocolate, which which just launched. It is the only chocolate milk I know of that uses real cacao. We use, um, transparently traded Raka single origin cacao from Peru. It's super good. Um, it's traded with indigenous, uh, Peruvian farmer cooperatives who've been farming cacao forever. Um, and it has an amazing story around it. It uses a little bit of maple sugar, just again, like ingredients that are real. So people who are searching for something that is their, you know, chocolate milk, they want to get that chocolate milk fix, but they would like to also feel good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also be able to feel good about it. Um, you know, it hits all of those notes. And um, with that, you know, we just we tend to get a lot of the more health-focused plant-based milk drinkers coming to the website. Yeah. Yeah. So would you like, it's a, was it a collab? Did I understand that right? Like the chocolate milk and like Raka, right? I thought that was so fun, right? Like, thank you. Yeah. I would never enjoy to partner with them. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a huge chocolate lover. Like it is the bane of my existence, but also like it is so, (laughs) it is like the highlight of my day whenever I have chocolate. Um, so when I saw that, I was like, oh God, that looks so good. Um, so yeah, that, that's also like a fun, I'm sure, um, like a fun twist, right? Like you don't really see like 
a collaboration with a milk brand and a um and a chocolate brand like all the time yeah Yeah. You know, we used to do these events at WeWorks where we'd be making like matcha lattes or Willa's white Russians, which again, Mm -hmm. we're now calling the dudette, (laughs) (laughs) more fun name in general. Um, and it would started becoming like an internal joke on the team because every single time we would do one, somebody would come up to us and be like, Hey, so my guilty pleasure at night is chocolate milk. Do you guys think you could make a chocolate milk? And so we started like having this like bet as a team is like, how many people are going to come up and ask us for chocolate milk? And then we looked at the chocolate milk part of the category and we were like, Whoa, this is the worst part of the, you know, plant-based milk category. It's the most sugar, terrible ingredients. Um, just not great for your health. Um, the cacao trade is, I won't get into it right now, but it's, it's associated with the worst parts of humanity. So, um, we love, we love the team at Rocco. We love what they do. Their cacao is transparently traded. Um, and they just have a real attention to craft and detail and flavor. And so it was just a no brainer to partner with them. Yeah. It seems like it, right? Like, (laughs) yeah. That is, that is so wonderful. Um, thank you for diving into kind of more details around that. Um, and so I also noticed you all use recharge for subscribe and save. So can you kind of walk us through, um, like, is there a different experience for the consumer based off of if they are a a subscriber versus if they're not? Yeah, absolutely. If they're, you know, if they're newer to the brand, there's, you know, more opportunity for education around what makes Willa's unique. Um, we again, always try to share recipes no matter what, because like I said before, we don't want to be just associated with like health and food is medicine. We put a lot of care into creating oat milks that are really delicious that pour into coffee and give you creamy swirls. And that again is like the number one reason people buy it. So Um, balancing anything, you know, that we do where we're talking about reversing climate change and health with also just delicious recipes and, um, creative ideas for how to use it in baking or cooking or, you know, dairy-free mac and cheese or different beverages, um, and making sure that there's a balance between all of those different messages. Um, our website sales for a long time were 80% subscription based, which I think is a testament to how much people love the taste. They usually buy us because they're looking for something healthier, lower sugar, but then they stick with it because of the the taste of Willa's. Um, That has come down to around 60% because we just launched two new products, Willa's Barista, which is great for, you know, if you have a home frother, um, it creates latte art for coffee shops. And then Willa's dark chocolate was like a limited release last year and it sold out. So now we're fully launching it for Mm. the long haul. Uh, but we always try to make sure that the subscription option is, um, as an accessible, is it an accessible price point as we possibly can get to it? You know, Willa's is a premium brand. We use the most expensive, high quality organic ingredients (laughs) at the same time, we don't want it to be, you know, completely inaccessible. So anyone who's willing to come to our website and order there and buy a six pack subscription, we believe they should, they should always get the best deal possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I think there's a lot of power to be able to like get that, that same option of like, okay, try it out. See if you like it, whatnot, subscribe, um, or just being able to, you know, tap in when you need it, when you want it. 
have like both of those options because it again it meets your consumer where where they're at and um I also want to say I I saw the barista um product and it was in that moment that I realized I was like I didn't even know that you like it would be a different product right <laughs> like I'm so I'm not a coffee drinker myself um and I've tried matcha which I know you mentioned you have matcha in the mornings but I guess, I, I don't know. I just didn't think of like a barista for like um, the latte art or for like a frother would like need to be different. <laughs> so that's that was just like a little point that I was like, oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, I mean, making making a milk out of plants that can do the mm-hmm. same things that dairy milk has been doing, you know, easily forever is 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 not as straightforward as it sounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, that that totally makes sense. Yeah. So I just wanted to share that because I thought it was interesting. And I wonder um, if any other listeners kind of had that moment where I was like, oh, I didn't even consider that. So I think that's really awesome. Um, I know we're coming up on time here in a couple of minutes, but I just wanted to ask, I know we got into your entrepreneurial uh, background a little bit in the beginning and you shared some advice around that, but I always open up the floor at the end of these episodes to share another tidbit of advice. Um, it can be specifically around being an entrepreneur or just like general life advice. Um, what's one thing that has kind of led to, um, where you are now? Um, the, the quote that has stuck with me the most in the past year that I, constantly talking about with my team. Um, I think our, we've all kind of internalized it is James clear. The author of atomic Habits, said, we don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. And you think about how often you'll set a goal and you think just writing it down is enough, but then you can't quite get there. Um, so as a team, we've really internalized that and we're really trying to create a super strong foundation for the business, create really great systems and processes. What I have been kind of amazed and um, inspired by is internalizing this idea of like, we got to create the systems to get to our goals together has also really helped ensure that we create a culture of collaboration. I think we've all worked in places where the fuel is basically anxiety and perfectionism, which kind of leads to a lot of like passive aggressive blaming or finger pointing or, you know, indirect finger pointing. And when you say, okay, we're not just going to set goals. We're going to try to create systems to get to those goals. When things go wrong, which they inevitably do all the time when you're working on a startup (laughs) as a team, you're able to say, okay, So we learned some things. How do we make sure we have the systems and processes so that we can either prevent that from happening or turn that into an opportunity, you know, make lemonade out of the situation and um, be even stronger for it after the fact. And I think that's been something that I've just been really excited and inspired by because I always wanted to create the kind of company I would want to work for. So yeah, mm-hmm. again, thank you to James Clear if he's out there for <laughs> reminding us to just work together to create, you know, create the system so that we can get to our goals together. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful way to look at it and a great reminder. I know um our founder Yao, he says the same thing where like culture and collaboration and our like core values are at the very center of our business. And so um 
like, I know I've loved working here just for that reason. It sounds like Will is very similar where it's like, there's no blaming. There's no, none of the bad practices that unfortunately are common practices in some, um, some areas or some industries. And so I, I absolutely love ending on that note. Uh, thank you so much for being here, Christina. This has been a delight learning from you and just getting to know more about you and Willa's. So thank you for making the time and sharing all your wonderful insight. Thank you so much, Mariah. It's been a pleasure to talk to you.